Welcome to Reckless Attack, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast. My name is Nathan. I will be your dungeon master this evening or whenever you happen to be listening to this podcast in your various time zones or head zones. I am so excited to be here tonight with all of my lovely players. Hello, lovely players. Hi, Nathan. Hello, Hello lovely DM. Yep. Hey, ooh, yeah. all right. Some bonus lo- points over there. The loveliest That's DM. fun. Inspiration, please. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, play Give cards, me what right? I crave, right? <laughs> <laughs> Extra dice to roll. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. I, you know we'll see what happens. Um, this episode, uh, no, 15. Oh, my God. I almost yeah. said 11. That's very wrong. Right. It's episode 15. <laughs> I hope you all feel good. We've almost had a had we've had more than a dozen episodes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty neat. This is the first episode in the new year of 2022. Isn't oh. it? Happy 2022, everyone! Ooh, yeah. 2022. Ooh. Well, thank you all for listening. For I'm just going to say I'm going to round up and call it a full calendar year throughout all of 2021. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we appreciate you all, you listeners. But that's enough from me. DM we round Nathan. up to the nearest decade. Reckless thank attack. You podcast of the 2020s i think we can all agree on that yeah, yeah now that's enough from me to my right is hello everyone my name is steve and i am playing Esterlin, the dragonborn monk and he's got some stuff going on um indeed yeah because uh because from the last episode i believe he is still down let's call it several points of wisdom but uh, I guess we'll get into that during the episode. And uh, to my right. Hello, everyone from the future. Actually, it's not <laughs> the future. My name is David, and I play Kaskrin Brightmane, the Dwarven Morlock, who is, like myself, feeling rather overwhelmed by just all of the stuff that we have now seen in Agmar. This is Kaskrin's not first time in a big city, but, you know, when you first enter a new city and see all of the stuff going on, it can be a lot. Hello, hello, my name is Jonathan, and I play Checkers, the Grung Druid, and his trusty frog pal, Mango. I, Jonathan, am overjoyed at being able to play Dungeons and Dragons again with all my friends. Because it has been a little Woo! bit since we've recorded. That's true, that's and true. And I just want to say, hi everyone, it's good to see you all. And ev- every Every week that, that passes without D&D is mm-hmm. interminable and feels like a decade. Another week that I just slowly wither away into nothingness. That's right. Until you are once again <laughs> watered, right. fed <laughs> by <laughs> the sustenance. The spring the, of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, well, I like that you said spring because I was about to say teat of Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> and I like yours much better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, but Checkers is, again, also as Kaskrin, in awe, not so much of the different things in the city, but just how tall things are yes and very excited to go and see what the ruby citadel is all about this whole situation oh my gosh i'm just imagining checkers and the assassin's creed outfit (laughs) (laughs) just like going all over agmar swan diving off yeah it's just like an unlockable outfit for checkers right i mean nathan hey hey if you want to use some of your copious upcoming downtime to find a clothing uh, you know 
what's what's the word? A uh, clothier. Yeah, we'll know. say that. Mm-hmm. Um, a tailor. The tailor yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you decide. <laughs> as long as we are legally protected from any sort of Activision lawsuits or whoever does that. Is it Ubisoft? Spur- is it Ubisoft? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. From any from anyone, mm-hmm. then you know whatever. Mm-hmm. But also, I would challenge the idea that checkers could ever keep a bright white garment oh, clean yeah. for right. more than four seconds. Right. He does not have prestidigitation, so it's staying like that basically throughout the entire campaign. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly. really how we transition to our pirate campaign, which is the one we've always wanted to do. Right. <laughs> Don't tease me like that, David. <laughs> how dare you? You know, you know, David. We've talked about this. Uh, anyway. Hi, I'm sorry I derailed this whole thing. No, <laughs> yes, great. that's it was good. But it's me, this Sophie. This is the content. This is what we. This is what we all crave at the table. Sophie, the derailer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I play Valeska Carter, the human astric cleric of the Arcana domain, who has a very lengthy list of to dos for today. Good. <laughs> yes. I like how there you said many that. To do's for today. Yes. yes, exactly. Or the next couple days or whatever it ends up being. And why are all of these feelings of overwhelming, you know, um, of splendor, of terror, of questions, of excitement for their to-do list? Why are all these things happening? Because we're in Agmar. We made it. Woo! We're in the red city of Agmar, everyone. We have finally reached our destination. <laughs> so we can finally begin the podcast. Right. Yeah, exactly. And again, like I don't know if we joked about it last time, but title cards have finally drifted. Yes. Red attack. The, 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 uh, the theme song is kicked in. No sleep till Agmar. We can't do it. No, we, okay. it's too long. Yeah. We'll no. get sued. Right. This is this is the episode that's going to bring us down. No, okay. Isn't it, Wait, isn't it a parody? Like we, it, we it, it falls under parody, doesn't it? <laughs> Those four words are fair use. Everything else. That's true. That, yeah. Goes. I have no idea what's happening. And they, I need like a tally marker for like things that I just don't understand. Just cultural references that Steve knows and the yeah. rest. None of, none <laughs> that, of the rest that would, of that would be the the wonderful song "No Sleep Till Brooklyn" from the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Nah. No. Really? Yeah. We can't. We're a Dungeons and Dragons right. podcast. We can't. We can't. We're gonna. We're gonna pause. Four minute pause, yeah. guys. Guys, we only just got to Agmar. We have. We have so many things. We can't. We can't go into a Beastie Boys discography review. It can't happen. Join us on our Patreon for Steve's Beastie Boys <laughs> I mean, discography okay. review. Okay. Well, all right. We'll talk about that after the episode. Um, so we are here. We are at the Red City of Agmar. After many weeks of travel, both in-game and in real life, a lot of time uh, of adventuring, of heroism, of character, of frog antics, of what have you, this is the city where you guys are stationed, where you will be presumably carrying out whatever the next stage of your adventuring life is going to be. You have just kind of been, we'll, we'll say, sorted through the big main gates of this uh, of this huge city, which was the seat of power for the Pentarchy in a lot of ways for a good long while, but now is just kind of occupied by free folk who are just trying to do their best in this, uh, this eh, we won't call it a post-apocalypse, but this strange and dangerous world that you all find yourselves in. You were let through. You met a couple of interesting characters, as you might recall. For example, a certain Jack Brill, the yeah. uh, hedgehog guard. You met a member, a couple members, actually, in, in a way, of the Lasting Legion, a uh, kind of mysterious and terrifying undead fighting force by the Pentarchy, who seemed to be kind of chill at this point, which is nice. 
You also met a strange dragonborn who was the fourth member of the Verdant Wave. You have seen giant statues dedicated to the Pentarchy. Not that giant, pretty big. We'll call it big statues dedicated to the Pentarchy. Because what is actually much bigger is the huge church that you see the church dedicated to the 12 gods here in Rixia. You see the Ruby Citadel. You also see a giant skull of a dragon just sitting out in front of everyone. And you are being led through all of this by this strange, seemingly undead warrior named the Fortunate, a member of, at least a former member of the Lasting Legion of the Pentarchy. We zoom in on our collective adventurers You have seen all of these strange sights. You are still walking through the city. You are seeing all of this. You're experiencing all of this. Some of this maybe you heard about. A lot of it probably you didn't, or at least if you heard about it, it was in a smaller scale or a more normal scale or any number of things like that. So how's everyone feeling? And also, in case anyone is jumping on here, could you give a brief kind of physical description of your character, who they are, what they look like, all that good stuff. So Kaskrin is a relatively middle-aged dwarf. He's pretty short, got a bald head, and a long white beard. He has his heavy armor, his weapon, but most notably, his arms and his legs are made of stone due to a rather historic event in his past, Mm -hmm. uh, the city of Lotros. As Kaskrin's walking through this, he's taking in all of these sights Mm -hmm. and almost absentmindedly asks, have you guys seen anything like this? It's, it's so much bigger than I thought it would be. Checkers is currently jumping across the rooftops of the marketplace along with Mango and Junior. So let me just quickly, quickly describe mm-hmm. what Checkers looks like in that he is a small-sized blue frog in a leather cloak, a kilt, and a black tricorn hat. <laughs> and he is currently riding atop his medium-sized frog companion, Mango, who is a big, chonky, green tree <laughs> frog. And, you heard it here, folks. A chonkster. And he's jumping across the, the rooftops of the marketplace, and as he hears this question, he would say to Kaskrin, I don't know, Cas, but this place is huge. Look at all that stuff over there. Did you see the skull? Oh, and the towers, too. Look at that. I mean, you can't not see the skull checkers. It's enormous, and he looks at it, and it's it towers over the the middle of the Absolutely. city, basically this giant dragon skull, and it's like we never had anything like this in in Lotros. And you you can also just hear the excitement in Checkers' voice, and basically the only thing that's even keeping him from just leaping to, towards the dragon skull immediately is just the fact that they have to get checked in, and he has to be processed <laughs> along with the rest of you. Or he won't know where, where to go. <laughs> Just gets lost immediately. Yeah, I mean, that, he might. That, that depends on how... A, it's a very thin yeah. tether keeping right. him Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, che- is, this is Jonathan trying to rein in Checkers. He is right. barely within the party's orbit. Right. The yes. slightest <laughs> nudge will throw him yeah, into so oblivion. So no one say anything to Jonathan or Checkers. <laughs> Just keep it as boring as possible so Checkers stays here. This is the strangest combination of both very open and very crowded that I have ever seen. Selv will kind of continue to, to look around and look up because I'm imagining it's all open, open sky. You know, the buildings are all one or two stories around here. So it also like on the ground level, it feels very compressed, but mm-hmm. 
there's all that open space mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. above. Selva's never been around this many people at one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like looking around. You'll see that most of the time he keeps his gaze up towards where things are more open. And what does Selva look like, Steve? Ah, uh, yes. So it is easy for him to keep his gaze upward and look at things up high because he is pretty tall himself. Selv is a silver dragonborn. He stands about six foot five or so, but he's kind of a, of a slim build. Typically, he's wearing some loose-fitting clothing that are in the colors of uh, his monastery, the Bingjuzi Monastery. He kind of wears a mixture of red and gold, and depending on the occasion, they'll either be like more, I don't want to call it more fancy, more mm-hmm. dressy, uppier, formal. Yeah, formal. Yes. Yeah. That's a good word. Yes. yes. More, more formal occasions, he will have more gold on and more in his traveling. It's more of like a red or darker red or crimson or something like that. But that's uh, that's basically kind of what Selv's doing is just kind of looking up and admiring the open space and trying to keep his gaze away from most of the other crowding, kind of relying on his companions to uh, sense. to get him where he needs to go. Yes. Val, with her passive insight, might notice Selv just trying to look up and trying not to pay attention to the crowd. So she'll come up and grab your hand. But though Val is five foot nothing she's this tiny pretty like just like thin person it really looks like there's not a whole lot to her she's got some like a leather breastplate yeah leather thing on and she has still her eye mask on that's dark blue it looks like a little robin uh Mm -hmm. mask (laughs) for her ancient sunglasses being from a desert city she might not need them in agmar but like more of like well, a all the, all the cool, all the, it's a look all, all the cool people wear them when yeah. they don't need them <laughs> and she's got her short brown hair braided back into a little clip in one hand she's just clutching a notebook and as she like grabs your hand she'll put it on her shoulder because her, she would be like walking with her arms <laughs> yeah, straight right. in the air <laughs> like a toddler like a toddler <laughs> if she tried to hold Selv's hand but just like or maybe even on her head cuz she wouldn't care how it looked but just like hey you know just follow me and we'll get there and kind of allow Selv to look further so up in the sky. Selv will, will kind of like pat her a little bit <laughs> and then and then you'll feel the, the he'll like palm. Yeah, well, not, not, you know, not like to painful, <laughs> yeah. thing, but you'll, you'll feel his like him palm your either your shoulder or your head, depending mm-hmm. on on where you've put his arm. The head is probably the, head, okay. the only thing <laughs> yeah. that really so height-wise makes you'll, sense. He'll kind of like palm, palm your head a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like so a it's, basketball. It's like you have, or you have like a, um, like a leather skull cap or something. Yeah, yeah kind of. Except it's dragon scale, maybe. Yeah. Caskrin's yeah. <laughs> looking actually at the opposite thing of what Selv is. Where Selv is looking to the sky, Caskrin is looking to these enormous mm-hmm. blood-red walls of Agmar. To Caskrin, it feels like it's a perfect enclosure around the city mm. as if the only way to attack it would be from straight up from the sky and he is you know thinking how incredible it is that people can make stone structures like this what a wonder this city is to be so strong through the ages of history and knowing that of course it was made essentially by five people give or take mm. with a little bit of magical work does, a little bit. <laughs> well, to them, maybe you don't know. Yeah, true, very uh, true. Does Kaskrin feel, especially compared to weeks on the road, right? 
how does Cashgrin feel in terms? Does he feel safer behind these giant rock walls? Does he feel uh, more comfortable, more at home? What's his like inner basic instinct feelings towards being behind these thick walls? Or is it just like, this is a lot, it's cool, but also, oh my God. <laughs> I think he has actually started to relax for the first mm-hmm. time in a couple of weeks. Being on the roads while they are magically protected look to be open to the forest. Yeah. Whereas finally being inside the city, being surrounded by all of these people, mm-hmm. being around his friends and next to these walls is, you know, reassuring to him. So it feels like he's finally getting to, to chill out a bit. Yeah, totally. Makes mm-hmm. sense. And you also, of course, before I forget, because this is, would be a classic Nathan move, you're also, of course, still being followed by your wagon that you got here with. The wagon is, of course, being driven by your potion smith, Etris, who is also just gawking at all the things actually slack-jawed, but with kind of a delight in his eyes and sleeping next to him, still seemingly ignoring the whole crowd, is Tiny Baby Hody, your precious nubbed donkey baby, who is, again, just like somehow ignoring all of the sounds all Lengthy. of the commotion just asleep there's multiple right yes um so yes yeah, so you guys are being driven through this is there anything are, are you just now are you f- just kind of like focused on getting to the guild hall essentially are you wanting to take any detours are you wanting to stop anything like that what time of day is it so you're in line for several hours so it's getting close ish to midday um as you might remember it's actually technically raining but also, once you step through the walls of Agmar, it seemed to be magically lessened, where it is still kind of sprinkling, but not nearly the heavier rain that it was outside. So it seems to be magically protected, so, but so the sun is still and, somewhat out. And looking up, is there any indication that it's actually cascading off of something or down something? Not that you can see, but if you were to maybe go to a wall or something like that, you might be able to get a better feel for it. But right now you're just kind of looking straight up into the into the sky um, and can't see any particular details, but doesn't mean it's not somewhere. Val is pretty focused on getting to the guild hall. She has her to-do list, wants to get settled. If anyone's listening kind of closely, she is used to a big city but yes. this is just a lot of people moving mm-hmm. everywhere and she doesn't understand the rhythm of this city mm, yet so nice way to put it so she's a little she's like okay but she's um very anxious mm-hmm. and so she's just kind of like muttering to herself like in a prayer kind of way yeah. just to keep her calm of like if you're organized you're not overwhelmed <laughs> <laughs> one the of the mantra. great exactly yeah. one of the one of the holiest of tenets mm-hmm. of of your uh, of your order yes yeah. absolutely that's uh, probably more something her mom just told her well, <laughs> <laughs> could be could be both who's to yeah, say you know um excellent so at the very least yes i was actually just going to ask as we're walking through following the fortunate what is the the vibe of the people of the city? Like, what is it all a mix of different races? Are they wearing... He's mostly checking if any of them are wearing the kind of clothing that we found on the tiefling from earlier. Yeah, absolutely. I love... Thank you for, for stopping to ask. So as you are making your way through all of this kind of market square intensity, because again, this is essentially just imagine an even busier section of an airport that is designed specifically to sell you things. <laughs> and that is where you are, except it was magically, architecturally city-planned 
for this. Perfect. And that is the vibe of what you're going through. But accordingly, there are a lot of people. You certainly see a lot of people that you maybe recognize from being on the road together. Maybe even some others who seem like they were on the road, but you don't recognize because it was a fucking big ass caravan. Mm -hmm. But there is a surprising diversity of people. As you are keeping an eye out, you see a, a wide mix of races. You see a wide mix, actually, of fashions. And you see just basically people from what seem to be a wide variety of walks of life. If you'd like to, you could roll me a perception check since you are specifically looking for something like a, an outfit you recognize specifically of the people you rescued. 21. Nice. So you're keeping an eye out. Um, you find nothing. <laughs> no, there is no city. I wake up. Yeah, yeah. You recognize this. Well, that really illusion. messes up my plans for the next several episodes. Um, no. So, so you're keeping an eye out. You're taking in a lot of stuff and trying to parse through all of it. And you don't catch anything of that particular style of clothing or anything, at least that kind of pops and reminds you of what you saw those people wear. But what you do see is a, and none of the rest of you, and you're all kind of doing your mm -hmm. own things yeah. and spread uh -huh. out and paying attention to other things, being palmed like a basketball by a dragon claw, <laughs> whatever. You see a small kid who is giving you a pretty sly, but to your trained town guard eye, uh, devious look, if that makes sense that you might recognize as, as someone who has an eye on the potentially unattended pockets of newly arrived or fresh shoppers to Agmar. And you see this small child. It appears to be a small dwarf child who is kind of starting to meander over towards you guys and is seemingly beelining a little bit to the back of the wagon. If I see him, I'm actually going to let him know that I've seen him. I'm mm -hmm. going to make direct eye contact with him <laughs> and give him that best, like, two parts city watch, one part, like, fatherly, yep. are, you, are you making good choices today? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually going to try to intimidate him. I was going to yes! say, uh, take it with advantage, please, uh, because this is extremely in, in character and extremely within your particular purview <laughs> right. of expertise this <laughs> well-practiced look exactly time to be asking yourself lad are, are your hands faster than me x <laughs> uh, oh it, no it's still gonna be a 14 oh okay yeah not terrible but not like 21 great no exactly none uh, of us saw double digits on the die yeah, so we yeah. were a little sad but no no we were all very worried i thought i saw yeah. something very wow. sad and low so that is still more than enough especially because this child you can tell again so so this kid is very nonchalant he's actually pretty decent at it but you just caught him no problem but is sidling up to the back of the wagon and is so caught off guard by you noticing that they were coming up there, freezes in their tracks and makes direct eye contact with you back, startled. What do you do? So I'm imagining that as Kaskrin is looking at this child, we're actually just moving forward through the crowd. And it's like as the, the last parts of the crowd 
form up behind mm-hmm. us in the gap that we're making. This kid is still standing there and just like, cool. you know, in that last moment, mm-hmm. um, eye contact gets lost in the crowd behind us. Ooh, okay. So you, but he, you are committed to just staring him down, letting him know I saw you. Yeah. I'm not going to try to approach him, but I'm just making sure like he knows that I know like it would not be wise to do what you're doing. And you'll be very disappointed if he moves forward. I will be very disappointed in him. Okay. He'll get a stern talking to. The only thing that's in there that you'll get is broccoli. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys continue moving through this marketplace. Again, it is not just markets and stalls and that sort of thing. You could basically find almost any provision you could want would be advertised somewhere here, either directly, indirectly, someone close to you shouting, we have this thing, come buy this thing. And yes. Is it my notes from last time Mm -hmm. that there was a kebab shop? Did I 100% just make that up? I think, sorry, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) It's on Bill's to-do list to go to a kebab shop, and I thought we mentioned kebabs. First of all, I think we joked about it, (laughs) that this was the place where there would be a kebab thing, but absolutely. We don't have to go now. Unquestionably, there is at least, no, there are multiple active rivalries okay. between kebab shops <laughs> mm-hmm. just in this part of town. It is about lunchtime, I will say. That's true. I'm just I'm just changing this to do item from kebab shop to kebab shop tour. Yes, a, a, a sampling, a, a a a crawl if you will. Mm-hmm. So you guys keep making through, making your way through and you get to a a T intersection and in front of you is a grand church and you can see All over it, very prominently, are various symbols of the 12 gods of Rixia. In the middle of this kind of big archway door, at the middle and top of it is the symbol of the 12, with kind of each little individual marks of of the gods, basically, just kind of symbolizing the connectivity of them, of their story, Ascending down from that also, on all sides of it are the other symbols of each of these gods. But you can see in a someone who would be trained in religion mm-hmm. and seen this sort of thing, Valeska, you see uh, surprisingly at the top a couple of gods that you would not expect to be there. Towards the top of this big arch, in addition to that symbol of the twelve, you see the symbol of order prominently displayed and you also see the symbol of grave prominently displayed Hmm. you said grave yes so there's a god of the grave one of the twin gods in fact the god of the of the grave and the god of death are sibling gods who are twin headed and you see the cascade of other gods in front of you you also to the right you see another couple of large buildings you would know from your map that you can see what is something labeled Agmar Transitional Housing. You don't really know much about what that is yet, but you see several wagons and people lining up over in that direction. You also see something on your map called the Agmar Medical Center, also towards the right. And way at the end, you see a body of water. Um, At least you know where the body of water would be. And of course, the Ruby Citadel. And now... A word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines. 
a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Tyir. Can the gang find Tyir, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength in diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed goblin gunslinger. Dark Dice is a critically acclaimed actual play podcast brought to you by Fool and Scholar Productions. With over 20 awards in sound design, Dark Dice brings its horror-themed campaigns to life with snappy combats, terrifying monsters, and tons of original music. Each episode is only 45 minutes long and features an all-star cast of seasoned role players and first-time players alike, including folks you might recognize like Jeff Goldblum, Lily Pichu, and Jasper William Cartwright. Start with Season 1 and follow the adventurers on their quest to investigate a doppelganger, or jump into Season 2 and listen to a new story about a terrible, corrupting sound that infects all who hear it. Dark Dice is available for free however you listen to podcasts or at darkdice.com. So ask yourself, do you seek him? The Fortunate actually turns around and says, is everyone still here? Sadly, yes. Present. We're all here. Yes. As Val looks questioning, like, why are we sad about it? (laughs) (laughs) Well... There were other places I wanted to go to while we were going here, but I guess that'll have to wait till tomorrow. I'm sure we will be here long enough for you to explore every nook and cranny. You don't know that, Self. <laughs> I should hope that we're going to be here long enough, Checker. Do you have something planned? Apologies. It's, it's, we are all here. We can continue. As I, I'm I'll, certain, Cass and Checkers just keep going. <laughs> yeah, just in the is there something we'll, you want to say to us, Checkers? <laughs> so that that question will prompt Selv to actually look back and check to make sure the wagon and Etris and Hody are still there, like behind us. They are actually a little bit further behind you than you than you expected, as you see that a merchant has actually cornered them and is holding. You can't tell, like something a box of something up to them gesturing and etris is kind of leaning over looking quizzically clearly 100 percent distracted by whatever it is that this person is offering kaskrin can you go get etris and move yes, the wagon yeah, yeah. forward <laughs> so kaskrin will will oh i was gonna say just don't even say anything just get the horses and just start leading the horses <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of basically like he he gives he he goes up to the uh, the person that's holding the box, he just puts a big rocky hand on it and slowly pushes it away from Etris, and then grabs the the horse reins and like st- starts to move the whole wagon forward. 
By leading the horses. By leading the horses, yeah. <laughs> uh, by, by pulling the whole <laughs> wagon. <laughs> bare arms. Uh, all right, athletics check. Yeah. Um, and you're, yeah, you're you're able to get things moving, no problem. Etris, uh, you can hear him kind of yell. So, uh, hey, hold on, I, w- I was hungry. Wait, but but Kaskarin. And you see this individual kind of uh, spin around, and you see in this box, uh, you see it is just a, a human man, seems to be middle aged, and is wearing some nice fine robes, and is in this box has a what seems to be a display case of dried meats that he is gesturing and trying to trying to uh you know to sell and he says well hold hold on sir dwarf please please sir dwarf can i interest you in some of the finest jerkies and dried meats on this side of rixia the whole scene in your head just plays in reverse as the horses walk backwards and we just, the, the box is presented to Etris once again and instead of pushing the box away he takes a small peek sees that it's jerky and his eyes are just like, oh well, now that you mention these fine jerkies, sir perhaps we will take a look we're not doing anything else today, right? Right guys? A intoxicating smell hits you as soon as it turns around. Uh, it is a strange, interesting blend of spices, of scents, of of sensations hitting your, I don't know how sensitive your palate is, I suppose. I won't make that character choice for you. And he says, a wise decision, sir, a wise decision. My name is Pete, and may I present you some of my finest meats? Pete's meats! <laughs> <laughs> And and Kaskrin, like, he's just taking in the aroma, the spice mix. After weeks of being on the road and eating nothing but, like, miserable jerky, it's now, like, finally, finally time for him you know, to have this. To experience true yeah. culinary pleasure. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, in, in dried meat format. Yeah. Uh, Pete, you said, right? Uh, uh, heck. <laughs> I'll pause you there to give you a moment to ponder. For maybe one of the only times in this whole podcast, we worked very hard. We played together for a long time before this. And, you know, we were very strict on like, you know, let's make sure we're starting fresh. We don't want to have any inside jokes, that kind of thing. But I decided we should give ourselves one. <laughs> Sophie, I was trying very hard not to stare at you yeah. literally that whole time. Uh <laughs> Would you please, and Sophie is just like giggling and beaming, uh, as we all are. Um, <laughs> Sophie, could you please explain to our good listeners mm. the one inside joke that I have decided to insert into this podcast, the significance of Pete's Meats? Yes. Uh, Where to begin? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so many things. Uh, in our previous campaign, I played Umbra Bearclaw who started as a straight barbarian. Yes. And we were in a town that had like magically fantastic produce yes and umbra was like well where's the meat basically (laughs) yes and where is andrew andrew was his name andrew was like well let me tell you about my brother pete and his jerky and his meats meats. (laughs) and umbra fell in love (laughs) she had two loves in that campaign one of them was pete's meats yes (laughs) and she loved it so much she decided to invest Oh, I think literally all of her I gold. I think literally every piece of gold that and Sophie's well, character all met, of got. The gold. All the gold that did not go to buying jerky. Right. That's true. <laughs> well, she bought. She put enough of her gold 
into franchising Pete's Meats that she got jerky for life. Exactly. As like the as a part mascot owner, essentially. also. She became the face of Pete's Meats. Yes, yes. By doing your do-goods mm-hmm. out in the world and just casually mentioning that you are fueled by the meat of Pete. Yes. After a hard day of slaying dragons, <laughs> yeah, I like exactly. to relax with Pete's Meats. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that is all to say, I, Nathan, am going to preemptively apologize for absolutely sidetracking <laughs> what I assume to be the rest of our campaign as we all pay way too much attention to Pete's Meats, but I wanted it. Yes. So we are playing to make ourselves happy first, and you all second, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Pete, good sir, do you have a variety pack? I am glad you asked, sir. And again, this kind of... Uh, variety pack, write that down. <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to say that this individual is essentially wearing whatever the fantasy Rixia equivalent of a seersucker suit is, and he says, oh, allow me, sir. And from a pouch that, or from a pack he has, he pulls out a collection of individually bagged pieces of meat that are in almost like little Ziploc bags with hooks through them that are strewn across a wooden pole. So it's clearly displayed and all labeled as a different variety of meats, seasonings, and combinations therein. And he says, oh, good sir, I see you're a man of taste. Can I interest you in our spicy variety pack? Ooh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But also, do you have any that are unspiced and perhaps frog safe? Sir, first of all, Pete's Meats prides ourselves on ensuring that all of our delicious, delicious meaty treats are frog safe. We go out of our way. It is our a hallmark of our business. But also, of course, sir, and he starts just like pulling out what seems to be a physically impossible amount of different jerkies pouches <laughs> from the bag that he is carrying and is more than happy to sell you as much as your dwarven heart desires. And also, I don't know if anyone else knows what is going on <laughs> just to check in with the rest of the group you just see Kaskarin has now entered into some sort of bargaining he like walked over and is now stuck there yeah. you yeah. sent him to go get etris and now he and etris are just correct like, yeah and now etris etris is now pointing at whatever it is that this individual is showing both of them that is immediately enraptured both of them maybe they might be ensorcelled by some sort of foul magic you don't know val will ask the fortunate who is this salesman well, I don't eat, so I don't really know. I also don't really live in the city, so I don't really know. But if he's here, I'm sure he's harmless. Okay. Thank you. We'll wait one second, and Val will take Self's hand off of her head and just like <laughs> set it by his side, and then walk over and be like, Cass, come on. I said you should get this thing moving. We got to get to the guild hall. No, Velasca, Velasca, come here. This is important. You don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand. So, and oh, uh, sorry. Uh, Selv is uh, like as Val moves over there. Selv is going to turn to the fortunate and say, "This reminds me of the story of the man and the cave bear. There were three men. One went up into the cave and didn't come back." The second man went up into the cave. There was some screaming, and he did not come back. And the third thought, neither one of them came back. I'm going to go find out why. 
<laughs> the fortunate continue staring at you. <laughs> Low wisdom self is like, yeah. 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 That's kind of, what I, kind of what I was going for. Yeah. <laughs> Might I remind the listeners, self is, is, is literally drained of his wisdom right now. Yes. Uh, and by, f- by, I believe he is five points down. I think yeah, he's five points like down. That. Yeah. I don't know about the rest of you, but I kind of like self like this. <laughs> Can we keep him? Let's keep, let's, let's keep unwise self. Uh, the fortunate just stares at you and then turns back to, to the group who are now, I assume, haggling over mm-hmm. how much meat you can buy with the 10 gold pieces of entrance gold that you just got. It was 15 gold. Oh, I apologize. Per 15 person. Gold. Per yes. person. We can buy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's like this moment where Kaskrin has these boxes of jerky, like checkers was with the fruit, and just handing them to Etris to put in the, in the, the, back. the, 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 the back of the wagon. Sackfuls yeah. of meat. Uh, I think Cass was trying to tell me your name is Pete. Oh, Is that correct? Good to meet you. He shoves a hand out. It is one of the finest handshakes that you have ever had the pleasure of shaking. Val will return it enthusiastically and be like, Pete, all of this jerky looks absolutely amazing. We are from the Golden Tree Guild. I am trying to keep us on a timetable. We are going to be good customers of yours, but not at this moment. Cass will pay you for everything he has just loaded up in your wagon. And trust me, we will be back because it's taking everything I have right now to walk away from you. I was going to say, roll me a constitution saving throw or some other saving throw. How would you like to be the premier supplier of the Golden Tree Guild when it comes to dried meat? Uh, constitution? Yeah. I think that's just a 12. Okay, that's, an, that's oh, enough. Oh, 13. Oh, yeah, there we go. Wow, big rollers. But that is enough that you're able to mostly keep your focus, but you do get a waft of jerky scent mm-hmm. that is very interesting. Oh, Val is 100% going to spend an absurd amount of money with Pete, (laughs) but she has a timetable. Pete is not on her to-do list, and she is now becoming (laughs) overwhelmed. Yes, that's fair. With her organization going off track. Fabulous. Once you've been playing D&D for a long time, you tend to gravitate towards certain types of characters. (laughs) I think we have finally hit on Sophie's... uh, We we, we have Sophie's characters. characters. Yeah. Yeah. But Valeska, as we're like getting Bad Valeska, <laughs> sir, sir, I'll be here all day. As he as he shoves the handful of gold that he has gotten from you into his bag, sir, sir, I am here every day. We have the finest of finest source meats, all hand cured here in the city of Agmar. Please, you do me great, great, great honor buying so much of my fine wares. Why don't you Why don't you take it back? Give him a try, and then you'll know what you want more of, what you want to try. We will take good care of you, sir. Mm-hmm. God, he did my purchase language. one of every flavor, correct? Well, of mean, the ones that why? I have on me. Mm-hmm. I only usually carry about 15 to 23 different flavors mm-hmm. of jerky. Do you have a brochure? I am glad you asked. Uh, I've already taken the liberty of slipping a handful into each of the bags that your fine traveling companions here have already purchased. I appreciate you, Pete. Cass, I'm so sorry, but we are going to keep going. You can come back to Pete later today. And then the wagon starts just moving <laughs> forward again. Yeah. And Val will shake Pete's hand again as she <laughs> starts leaving. <laughs> and you can see as you guys pull away, if you guys aren't looking back, you see in the you know, camera background, Pete licks his thumb and starts counting the gold he's taken <laughs> as if he's counting paper money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like nodding to himself. He's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
stuff sells itself. <laughs> so the fortunate continues leading you guys on and says, and he just kind of turns, but is is now kind of talking to you seemingly now that the crowd is a little bit lessened. And they turn around and they say, anyway, you're new here. I know a little bit about the city. Do you have um, questions or anything? Can you tell me about that cool skull in the middle of the town? Yes, please. The dragon skull, right? Yeah, it's a dragon. I actually don't know a lot about it. It has a name, or at least what the Pentarchy said that it was. Um, as far as I know, it's just kind of been here for a long... Obviously, there hasn't been dragons in a while. Is, is there a dragon under it? I don't know that question, or that answer. You'd have to ask... Probably someone in one of the museum district would have a better answer for you. Hmm. We'll find out later then, won't we? <laughs> it is on my to-do list to get a museum pass, yes. Oh, <laughs> nice. Val would spend the rest of the walk politely peppering the fortunate with questions about themselves and the lasting lesion. Absolutely. What would you, what would you like to know? Val would probably start with the fortunate. Please tell me if I am being impolite, but I didn't think... The Lasting Legion was still around. What? The histories don't mention you after the fall of the Pentarchy. Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, first of all, we don't care too much about politeness. A it's concern, kind of a mortal thing. A concern of the mortals, okay. exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I kind of had better answers for you, actually. But all I can say is that we do not remember who we were in life. I understand that was a design feature. and. We, at some point during the Ultra Dryant's reign, woke up. We became conscious, and we tried to put things together as best we could. We eventually wandered here. We didn't really have any connection to it. It was just a place with walls. And one day, a bunch of survivors came, and that was the first people to come and resettle the city. It was tense for a bit. Mm-hmm. but. We are now here serving to help protect the city. And Val just like kind of says that under breath, just like staring a little bit. Yeah. And as this like armor is like clanking loudly mm-hmm. as they are walking, you know, the, the streets basically. Mm-hmm. Just to uh, clarify, tense as in like, <laughs> or tense as in they were all living in, they were not living in tense. tense. Okay. No. Um, it was tense as in, like, hey, I, I thought, you know, why are re- these undead shock troopers here just gotcha. hanging out in the city? You know, re- refugees coming in. I was thinking, oh, tents. They, it was, they were all in tents. And then that, I'd realized that that might not be <laughs> what everybody else heard. Everyone stop. Look at Steve. <laughs> oh, Steve. <laughs> I shall bow my head in shame. So as you guys proceed through the city, it very quickly goes to a much more reasonable amount of people. and it starts to kind of thin out the closer you get back to the outskirts of the city. The further you get from the marketplace, from the museums, from the church, all that kind of stuff, you start to notice a few more empty storefronts, a few more empty houses, even a few ones that have fallen seemingly into total disrepair. You certainly see every once in a while there'll be someone who has clearly moved in, You see maybe people kicking around inside of these buildings, but where you guys are going here in the north side of the city, 
you start to notice that, oh, not all parts of the city are as busy and bustling as that kind of main stretch. Are all of the roads and all of the buildings in the city made out of that same red material? Or are there any other construction materials that we see? Yes. So the houses are not made out of the same red stone as anything as the walls or the citadel itself are. It is a mix mostly of wood and a couple stone, that kind of thing. All of the buildings that you're seeing are all pretty simple one to two story buildings. Uh, They seem to be very moderate, not anything too opulent, at least in this part of the city, especially compared to what you saw going in um, these huge, impressive structures. And you continue to walk through, you continue having any amount of chit chat, that sort of thing. A lot of the people, again, are there are still certainly a few here and there, uh, give you a nod just out of courtesy, probably checking you out just a little bit because you're a little bit of a weird party, but not that weird. Again, you met a hedgehog guy earlier, so, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And soon, the fortunate slows down and stops in front of a well-crafted wooden building. It is fairly decent in size, probably a little bit on the bigger end for some of the buildings that are here. It is flanked also by a couple of empty buildings. In front is a horse post to tie whatever mounts and such that you would like to tie to it with an empty trough there. And you see a thick wooden door right in front of you. Hanging over that, there is kind of a a post, like a wooden pole hanging out, and it hangs down and shows a sign that displays the golden tree guild symbol carved out of wood with a gold inlay on all of the all of the parts the fortunate turns and is about to say something when the door this thick wooden door slams open boom and there's a moment and a woman emerges this woman is in a wheelchair but is still somehow one of the biggest people you've seen <laughs> she pushes out in in this wheelchair and it is just a wooden well-made wheelchair and you hear an argument seemingly going on as she is yelling back behind her yeah just put it put it away put it away and then she looks at you her eyes take everything in and there's just kind of a pause and then she looks up at the wagon and then looks back at whoever's kind of closest near the doorway and says, who is that? And she points in this thick accent to Hody (laughs) (laughs) and her eyes alight. And it is, this woman is a tiefling. She has these spirally, almost like gazelle horns that, you know, kind of spiral straight up. She's not a tall person, but she is a, she is a very fit looking person yeah exactly she has this bright orange skin and this i won't say matching plaid dress on (laughs) but a plaid dress on that doesn't not work technically with her very specific skin color and the other thing that you really notice about this individual is cascading out from her heart or from her the middle of her chest you see strange um strange red lines almost like veins going out and almost like lightning 
from out of her radiating out from her heart area. So this very intense looking person is now just staring gleefully up at the tiny baby and says, who is that? That is Hody. The best dog he ever. And also, we are the new members of the Golden Tree Adventure. That's not important, Cass. Let me tell you about Hody. <laughs> and she spins towards you guys, and uh, she's like, of course I know who you are. Of course. I, my name is Berger. It's so good to meet you. Uh, it is Berger, B-U-R-G-A. And, uh, and she says, I am your office administrator. Uh, I was, uh, I'm a retired adventurer. I am here to help. It is so good to meet you. I've read all about you. I'm, I've been waiting for you for weeks. Uh, I just didn't know about her. And she looks back at Hody. And stares for a moment and then goes back to you guys. Uh, and then, and please, I, I think I know who you all are. You're uh, very distinct from each other. <laughs> but please, who, who are you? Tell me about yourselves or come in. What's uh, a thank you? And it's just like trying to mm-hmm. organize all of these things while excitedly welcoming you guys in. Val will turn to the fortunate. Thank you so much for escorting us. I believe Berga has us well in hand. And the fortunate nods, nods also at Berga, who kind of waves back. And the fortunate says, I'm sure the shield will be by sometime tomorrow just to introduce himself. He likes to do that with the new guilds. I'm sure I'll see you around. Thank you. And they start walking off. Well, Berga, I am Alessa Carter. It is great to meet you. I am very excited to be here. Yeah. And so, and again, handshakes are traded. Who all, who all, how do you introduce yourselves? What do you say? Checkers was going to hop up on, you know, on Mango and sort of come up and say, hi, I'm Checkers. This is Mango. That's <gasps> this Junior. This is Mango. Wait, and there's a Junior? Yeah. And Junior's little, like, little frog eyes pop out of the hat. And <laughs> Checkers is going to ask a very pointed question of, what's with the chair? It is a long story. Adventuring is dangerous. <laughs> and she says it with like kind of like a very earnestly is like, yes, it is. Adventuring is very dangerous. Oh, okay. That's cool. I was out on a mission, a monster hit me, and, well, here I am. Berga, I feel like I'm going to buy you a drink and you're going to tell me more details about that story. I, that, I would be happy to. Self will kind of go up and give a, uh, a lower bow, since this is a older person, I guess, and also sitting down. Yeah, and <laughs> she's, yeah, she's definitely um, middle-aged at least, okay. for sure. And then uh, say, my name is Sylvester Lynn. A pleasure to meet you. And she very, you know, solemnly also offers up a hand and shakes it enthusiastically. Yeah. So we'll, we'll shake his, her hand back. I don't know if this would be uh, an insight role mm-hmm. or what, but how is her grip? Like, does she seem like somebody who has fought and like carried weapons or are her hands softer like a spellcaster might be? <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, that can be an insight check. Sure. Okay. Uh, insight. insight. Roll to see how Perception. soft. Yeah, perceive hand. Yeah, perceive. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, that is based off of wisdom. Um, <laughs> so we're down uh, one, two. So this would only be at plus one instead of plus four. That would be a nine. It. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where her hands are so beefy that it might be hard to say. Okay. Kaskrin reaches out his hand and shakes. Burgers and says, you have no idea how long I've waited, how long we have waited to get here. Weeks. I'm so excited. 
Berga beams at you and she says, oh, yeah, the guild hall has been so empty for so long. It's been so exciting to hear that you all were coming. I've I've read all of your files. I've been so excited to meet you all and to welcome you here to Agmar and to get to get the good work of the golden tree started once again. Let's get to it. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Mm hmm. So she gestures you in and takes a little bit. I assume maybe you are grabbing stuff. Val will go and like pick up Hody as to not wake her and then just be like, Berga, can she sit on your lap? <clears throat> yeah. And then Val will put Hody on Berga's lap and just be like, I know it's going to be a lot of hustle and bustle and want to make sure Hody feels comfortable. You pick up Hody and just transplant her onto Berga's lap, and Hody does not stir even a little bit, <laughs> and it's just perfectly as if copy pasted onto yes. onto Berga's lap. Perfect. I love that. Like Hody gets smaller and smaller in my head canon every time we describe her, and now <laughs> well, she's like, I mean, like with a baby donkey, they are ninety percent legs, and so yes. like Hody is just has like her big, long, like normal donkey legs, just like folded up. Like origami I, underneath her, yeah, and it's slightly bageled. She really, yeah. you know, she can compress. Condense, yeah, compress. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, uh, and she will compress compress further for a comfortable lap to sit on. Absolutely. <laughs> so you guys all come in, and in front of you, uh, the first thing that you see is a grand reception area and a big, almost like administrative office desk, seemingly right there with a couple of chairs for people who are coming in to talk to you, presumably. Uh, And I don't know, you probably even got a little bit of an idea of what all was in here. And uh, Berga says, oh, uh, uh, please, we will give you a full tour. Don't worry. All the rooms are on the second floor. Please just put as much stuff as you can over there. And uh, Mr. Potionsmith, there is a shed out back. I've been very carefully instructed to tell you none of your materials are to go inside. Uh, in fact, you can go around the back. That would be preferable. And Etris is like, <laughs> right call, ma'am. Right call. <laughs> and uh, he starts unloading his stuff. And she says, uh, yes, uh, please uh, settle in. Oh, 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 hold on. First, first, before we do, I would really like to show you the best part of the guild here. Please, please come in, Blemen. And she kind of takes you down a hallway and she, you know, is rolling along. And up in the distance, you hear kind of a weird rustling of something up on the second floor, like a clatter of something. Berga doesn't seem at all perturbed by the sound, but you guys all hear it. And she is eagerly uh, wheeling her way down this hallway. And she says, uh, one of my favorite rooms is the Golden Trees map room. It's just so exciting. Uh, well, see for yourself. And she pushes open the door and you all see a large, beautifully decorated room. Unlike kind of the sparseness of a lot of the other things that you have already already looked at, the walls are covered with tomes of books, of documents, of maps. There's quite a few empty spaces, definitely, but it has a pretty large collection of different books and maps and and pieces of canvas and that sort of thing all over it. You see in the middle of the room is a pool table-sized piece of furniture that you can see spread out on it is what seems to be a bigger version of your own map that you had received of the area. And it has a bunch of writing on it that you can't quite make out. Beyond it, 
you see a massive desk still covered with lots of documents. And in the middle of the room, floating above everything, are two motes of light that are circling around each other that look almost like miniature versions of the twin sons of Rixia. You guys all kind of look down, and in front of you, right as you enter into this room, you see the insignia of the Golden Tree Adventuring Guild there on the ground in front of you, beautifully decorated, perfectly carved gold inlays, and you all look around, knowing that you are at your headquarters, you have leveled up, and we'll see you next week. Yeah! Nice. Thanks, Nathan. Yeah! Adventure. Adventure.